Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I went to school for theater, and I love to monologue. In this town, the only victim I recognize is me. (laughs) The softest substance on earth isn't talc, it's me. (laughs) I looked up up what the softest substance on earth was, and it's talc or soapstone. And now, and now you know. It's a very adorable tagline. It's a very adorable tagline. I would expect nothing less from, I would say, this, the theme and vibe of this week than Lewis Peitzman looking up information to ensure that he is factual on the, on the side of information and data when thinking of his Housewives tagline. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 200 something. Don't worry about it. And I am so excited for an episode that I think is gonna get into the like nitty gritty narrative journalistic perception of so much of what you guys know I love to talk about. So let's just dive in. I need to introduce the panel for today's episode, which is how I'm gonna describe it. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, senior entertainment reporter at the Daily Beast, whose piece was just given a mazel of the day by Andy Cohen. Welcome <laughs> back, Kevin Fallon. Hi. I thought he had. I thought he had more. I don't. I don't. I thought he had more. I was like, "Ooh, dramatic pause." But listen, if we're going to talk about the Beverly Hills reunion, Lord knows there were a couple of those, and of course, acclaimed housewives writer who just 
published a recent piece in Vulture about Erica Jane that I have literally read four times. Welcome back to Andy Scrolls, Lewis Peitzman. Hello. I don't have, well, I, now I feel like I have to add more just to upstage Kevin. Um, wow. I'm, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm very happy to be back. It's been, it's been literal years. Yeah, it's been literal. You've been on AG many times, including what was at that point the longest episode of Andy's Girls ever when we had a Bethany v. Carol oh, conversation wow. that was over two hours long. I think that I think that time has vindicated me in my opinion. Well, I think they're both bad. I don't remember what I said at the time. I think they're I think I was I was team Bethany, right? Yeah, how, why would you feel like you've been vindicated? Oh, I just think I think they're both kind of awful, but that's I guess true. I think that the the book stuff made them both look bad. So I'm I'm team uh, I'm team no one. I love that. I love that. Um, and Kevin, where did you stand in Bethany v. Carol? I think you were Carol, right? I was team Carol during the time. Yeah, I thought that you know I, no one likes a bully, and I thought that she was being bullied by Bethany. Um, wow. And and I don't know. I just. It's, there seemed to be less ugliness coming from her side, I thought. Yeah. Um, she was just more like the classic victim. Um, but I sort of agree with Lewis. Like, in the end, I think they've both been exposed to be kind of just gross. So mm. I think Carol's, Carol's a little more of a snake because she, like, acts like she's the really the normal, nice one who, like, didn't need housewives. But she's definitely as shady as the rest of them. And I just want, like... At least Bethany, you know what you're getting, and it's someone heinous. So you know you can kind of like ride with that. But I think I also appreciated that like no one can actually stand up to Bethany and also just like meet her at her level. Like a lot, like every season, like Ramona or Sonia or somebody tries to start a conflict with Bethany, and then their head would be bitten off, and it was just embarrassing for everyone to watch. But Carol actually like stood up to her and made it happen as an actual plot that Bethany couldn't just shoot down in one episode mm. so, so I thought that was sort of it that was at least impressive as reality tv narrative in my opinion I mean and the interesting thing about that moment that reunion cycle really that season arc was that it wasn't to me necessarily an argument of like who's the victim here in regard to this relationship as much as it was who was the victor like who mm. comes out on top and what brought us all together today was really inspired by reading both of your recent works on Erica and on the reunion cycle and Beverly Hills at large because there is the idea of like the distortion of the victim narrative like how does that work on a franchise in which we know there are actual literal victims do you find that there was any kind of connection to that? Like a, a, a God forbid, a historic <laughs> absurd turn on that when you were watching BH this season? Well, I think that they kind of like pointed that out at the reunion, which is like, it's, it's a little bit harder to, like it's all harder to swallow when there are actual victims involved. And so like they're treating it like a normal sort of like housewife drama moment. But, you know, when there's when Erica, who can't process human emotions, like when they're explaining to her why people are upset, they have to be like, do you understand how your behavior reads differently when there are victims involved, when there are people who were actually wronged by this? And I feel like they're going to have to have the same talk with Jen Shaw, 
because like I don't mm. think that these women uh, in particular are capable of really seeing outside themselves at all. But I think that like they did bring that up because it, it is different. You can't really like litigate a fight the way you normally would um, when you know that there are people who uh, have whose lives have been allegedly ruined by uh, Tom's alleged behavior. I don't know. Yeah, I think that lawyer, would... I don't know how many lawyers listen to your show, but I'm going to throw in a bunch of alleged things <laughs> just in case because I don't want. I get a lot of lawyer AGs and doctor AGs who slide into my DMs, which I'm endlessly fascinated by. Interesting. Love that. Love that. Kevin, what were you going to say? You know, I I think the interesting part of that conversation was that it largely happens at the reunion in reaction to public opinion. Um, Whereas the thing that I found fascinating about the show this season was watching them in real time have to calculate how they were going to play this know both Erica and the other women and they were operating from the classic housewives playbook um, assuming they could behave in the same way and choose allegiances in the same way and justify things in the same way that they would like Lewis said any other any other scandal and I think those those machinations and you know watching Rinna immediately decide that she's gonna full stop support Erica no matter what and Erica do her you know I'm the victim thing and sort of Kyle and Dereach and Crystal really too, also mm-hmm. never really go for her the way that, you know, Sutton did and and them, you know, acting like Sutton was some crazed, but maybe brave monster for questioning her. All that stuff was happening in real time without this fan reaction to what was happening with the, you know, the allegations against, against her and Tom. So then having, sort of to answer for that at the reunion, I thought was really interesting because those reunion conversations were in reaction to that to that backlash that happened after they were doing their sort of wheels turning and how are we going to play this stuff during the episodes while they were airing. And it was funny because I think they all played it wrong. <laughs> Not one I, of them played it right. <laughs> I disagree. I feel like, I, I mean, I hear where you're coming from and I think that the reunion was sort of an overcompensation i mean they didn't go as hard for erica as i I thought they would but they still Mm. like had to say more because of the fan reaction i I agree with you i think that like they read everything and they were like how can i kind of recover from this but i actually think that you know i think crystal didn't do anything really and it was a bad first season for her in part because she just got overshadowed by what was happening with erica i think that you know, like, obviously, we want more people like Sutton or even Garcelle, who, you know, was basically kind of on Erica's side, but, like, occasionally would would go a little Garcelle harder. Garcelle drove me crazy because she was <laughs> every, I mean, in the confessionals, she was, you know, brutal about Erica and, like, right. you know, what about the victims and she, what she's doing to Sutton is outrageous. And then every time she was in audience with Erica, she was silent, not a word out of her mouth. No, I think, and I think that to your point, like confessionals, which are recorded a little bit after, have more time for, it's not during the show while it's airing, but it's like more stories have come out. You know, they're able to kind of look back and say that they, you know, they wish they'd said more. But I actually think that even though it drove me crazy, I think Kyle and Dorit played it correctly in that they Mm. said just enough, but still have the plausible deniability of like, you know, you know, oh, PK said that, I didn't say that. Or like, oh, I was asking questions, but like, you know, I was also always supporting you and I never believed the worst things about you. Like Kyle will always be, you know, playing both sides. That's She's done that for the entire show basically. And I think it's worked out for her. I mean, she has incredible staying power. I think mm-hmm. that at the same time, like Dorit kind of 
maybe did the best in that, I mean, she kind of got side, she, the whole thing with Garcelle sort of like, uh, again, overshadowed whatever she was doing with Erica, but she did say the right things to Erica. She had the iconic, it makes you sick line that I quote constantly. And I do think that whether, I don't know what kind of conversation they had ahead of time, but I do kind of feel like she told PK to go harder on Erica in their scenes so that she wouldn't have to say these things, but like they were all on camera. You think that was strategized? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think that like, maybe not in terms of like, we're going to sit down and have a conversation about this and like plan the scene. But I do think like that was intentional to get PK to say all those things on camera so that it could be associated with Dorit without her. Ha- and at the same time, she can say to Eric, like, I was always on your side. I never really like, you know, I, you know, I was just kind of like hanging out and listening to what PK was saying. I don't know. It seemed deliberate to me. But they like all these, like these plays that they're making in real time, they actually did Erica no favors because I think the most maddening thing for viewers was to watch the, you know, the, the get together that happened behind Erica's back at Dorit's house and see that all of them had questions, all of them had like very deep, dark, targeted questions about Erica and the misdeeds and all that kind of stuff. And then to know that they had those questions and then watch them at these dinners with Erica, not and not asking them, only Sutton asking them was extremely frustrating. And I and think Sutton that- And barely asking them. Sutton right, like, not S- quite S- able like, to get it out. Like Kyle being like, Sutton has a question and then Sutton <laughs> saying, well, I think, and then Erica's flipping a gasket. But like, I, th- I think that had the other women sort of actually- been interrogating her and sort of held her feet to the fire more and didn't let her get away with just having a tantrum and ending every conversation it could have gotten Erica away from that place of just like explosive dismissal and forced her to talk about things in a more empathetic way and Erica wouldn't have come off with such a bad you know approval rating this season I don't think she's capable of talking about things in an empathetic way because they gave her uh, a million chances to do so at the reunion she just wasn't able to do it so I don't know that like more direct questioning would have helped I also like I have to say I do think a, lo- a lot of the problem with Erica is that like she is someone with a really extreme temper she goes from zero to 200 mm. out of nowhere and like mm-hmm. if you've ever had a friend like that or someone in your social circle like you walk on eggshells around them and I think that like even though we sort of made a joke about like, oh, is Erica really that scary? Why are they all scared of her? It's like, because I mean, Kyle is genuinely afraid of confrontation. And like, I would also be pussyfooting around Erica because I don't like people who snap at me like that. And she got so vicious and mean and, and like hostile. And I don't blame Sutton for kind of, even though she had a lot of questions, like sort of shutting up after a while, because it's like, it's hard to deal with that level of like someone hissing in your face. But and I do so think un- that all of them feel that. It was so uncalled for that it's unfathomable to me that everyone at that table wouldn't have rallied around Sutton and been like, what the hell, Erica? Like, that is inhuman behavior. What you're doing is completely inappropriate. Like, that they, they could have done that and sort of talked Erica off of this one-track mind. Like, she called me a liar, which she didn't really do. Like She kind of did, but also, like, that's fair. Yeah, but like, like, so, so like, it, I think had the women acted like normal human beings and all rallied around Sutton and all sort of like yelled at Erica, it could have changed the the tenor of things a little bit and should have because it's, it was absolutely insane that when that happened, everyone wasn't automatically aghast and vocal about it. 
and they seem to sort of double down on that sentiment. I mean, Erica literally straightforward said, you're acting like a fucking cunt at the reunion, which would have seemed to be a prime moment for these women to be like, I, you can't really be mad at me, but I am going to interject and say, like, maybe don't say that. And no one did. So if right. they were ta- taking into account the critique that the vast majority of the audience was saying, which was like, why aren't you standing up for your friend? And Erica literally looks at her and says, you're a cunt. <laughs> and the women are like, let me give you side eye. Right. <laughs> I mean, stay silent. they're right. so fucking terrified of her. I, and I, and I think that's like, and I'm not defending them because I do think that they've played it in the most like cautious and, you know, uh, cowardly way possible. But I think that like, aside from Rena, who I don't know what's going on with her, that's a whole separate conversation. But like, mm. I think that they, it's genuinely hard to deal with someone like Erica, who is like, she was so volatile at that reunion. She was so all over the place. Like, crystal asking one benign question and then getting her head bit off and like all of that like it's very hard to deal with someone like that and even andy like couldn't help being like you're a piece of work because she is like an impossible person to deal with you cannot speak to her in any sort of like rational way um so like i did appreciate garcelle saying like i should have said more it was wrong of me not to say more um at the time of you know the dinner party but Mm -hmm. um i sort of get it like only only in terms of like it's very hard to deal with someone who is acting out like that. Well, and her demand is that your way of dealing with me is I'm going to continue to attack you and you need to take it. That was her. She didn't apologize. Mm -hmm. She actually was like owning it. When people said you treated me or this other person monstrously, she was like, yeah, and that's what you should expect. I'm not going to change my behavior, but I am going to insist that you actively participate in me like losing my fucking mind against you because that's my equation of friendship. Like I'm under a lot of pressure. So yeah, I'm going to attack you over and over again and I'm not going to apologize for it. This is just the circumstance in which we find ourselves. So you guys need to adapt, which is an odd demand. And yet one that everyone seems willing to accept I don't know it's a really odd demand but also like I the whole thing of like she's under she's under a lot of stress as she says and like of course this is why she's lashing out is like not really in line with I mean Erica's always been this way and why I never connected to Erica is because I felt like the fun side of the Erica Jane side was artifice Mm -hmm. it was all you know that's all like her gaze and her makeup and her outfits and whenever you saw the real Erica she was being nasty she was like snapping Mm -hmm. at Eileen she was snapping at Teddy, which, like, I mean, that's fine. But, like, you know, she's she just, like, the only time we ever saw, like, a real whatever personality underneath that shell, it was so cruel and unpleasant that I was, like, this is, like, a mean person, you know, or, or as PK said, she's inherently cold. Like, there's just, like, mm. something really um, dark and empty about her. And so... I don't think that this season, like I expected her to react the way she did because I can't imagine her ever reacting another way. She kind of put on this over the top, like after the divorce announcement, she was like overly friendly. She performs like, you know, niceness and had this, all these stories and like really went for sympathy. And then as soon as any doubt crept in, she revealed her true colors as, you know, a, a really nasty person. I just can't get over that like, like taking that that dinner at Kathy Hilton's house, like from beginning to end, the women were so much more vocal and seemingly outraged over 
Sutton talking about Erica behind Erica's back than they were when Erica threatened Sutton's life. And how much of that do you think is influenced by them actually feeling that versus attempting in any way to get back on Erica's good side or something? I think it's all about getting back on Erica's good side. It was, it was Rinna, it was um, Kyle, it was Dorit all like talking to Sutton as if she had committed crimes worse than Erica's family is being accused of because she and Kyle had a quick conversation behind Erica's back. And then Erica responds like, you know, a fire breathing dragon and they barely blink an eye about it. Like that to me is completely just showing how desperate they are to be in Erica's good graces despite everything that was going on. I I, I totally agree with you on that, but I, I do also think like, I just feel like it's also informed by them dealing with her for the past few years and realizing that when she's like that, there's really nothing you can say to her to get her to stop being a monster. But um, I just like, but don't you want to be on the right side of history when you're being filmed on camera, especially when the stakes uh, yeah. are this high and like you want to be on record saying, yo, you're, you're going insane and what you're doing is not okay. And you want the viewers to be able to see you say that versus seeing them seeing you be sort of just like complicit and excusing of that behavior. But isn't the conflict this season exactly that? Like what is the right or wrong side of history look like when you're in the middle of filming and what you're dealing with is someone's incredibly aggressive energy becoming very combative and very almost decisive and not yet having an audience reaction saying, why aren't you protecting Sutton? Like it becomes, if the Fox force five worked for them for a while, this is what happens. This is the tension of that when it's like, we're supposed to protect each other. And Erica is one of us, but what happens when the person that we're supposed to protect is like the person who could bring us down because of all of this shit that's going on. I mean, there's a video that Bravo Bravo ducking Bravo put up of a real, uh, which of a moment that I didn't remember seeing when watching part four, but it's when Dorit and Erica are having a back and forth and Erica saying something, Dorit cuts in something, I think having to do with the not reaction to the victims, et cetera, et cetera. And at one point, Rinna taps Dorit's leg twice as if to say like, it's enough. Stop. And it's an interesting moment in the sense of like, okay, they maybe, maybe they strategize this before the reunion. It's actually also very possible they didn't, but that's the tension here of like, yeah. who are you supposed to protect? The people who were, we hear of the vic- the very real victims and also the perspective of the audience or the person that you have been in this I mean, essentially joke of an alliance in the sense that people make fun of it, but a very real majority unit. I mean, but that to me is the reason that they all played it so wrong. And and I guess maybe Lewis and, and, and you disagree, but like what I'm talking about is completely separate from the investigation, from the allegations, mm-hmm. from the victims or whatever. I'm just talking about a person's outrageous behavior that they're excusing. And that behavior could be about anything. I'm just talking about the fact that she legitimately reacted to a, a, a reasonable question by threatening a person's life and everyone just like continued eating their caviar pie. And like whatever, the re- whatever was beneath that you know, interaction, it's just outrageous behavior. And, and I, I believe think- I, 100%, 100%. Kyle, Kyle said you can't threaten people with lawsuits, right? That was her one 
Like, right. I think, that, and I don't think that they heard the part about Erica threatening Sutton's family. That was uh, the part that she whispered to Sutton, right? That was the threat that they didn't hear until the reunion, I believe, was the, I'm coming after you and your family. Which I don't remember that actually even being a part of the reunion, although it's something that Sutton talked it, about. In the it, press. Came, it came up. Yeah. I mean, I think that it was sort of like glossed over because she didn't, yeah. she didn't say it as something that was whispered to her. But if you watch that scene, we didn't actually see her say, I'm coming after your family. And Erica doesn't dispute that. So I think that was what she whispered to Sutton. Like, I'll go after you and your family. Mm. Uh, I believe that was the whispered threat. But um, I think that what's interesting is, like, there's been all this talk of, like, you know, Team Erica and not Team Erica. But I agree with Kevin in that, like, it's sort of, like, whether or not Erica knew anything is kind of beside the point right now. And I don't, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't think she knew what was going on in any sort of detail. Maybe, as Garcelle said, she had some, like, inkling that something shady was going on. She knew there was, like, something happening that was bad and she didn't pay attention to it because, like, whatever it was was funding her lifestyle. But, like, it's not really a matter of that anymore. Like, we're not saying she should be in prison. The point is that she knows now that, like, the money that she has, even if she wants to deny it, largely came from, you know, allegedly embezzled funds from uh, orphans and widows. And, like, she is playing this totally wrong in that, like, she she should have compassion. She should have the ability to express actual sympathy for the victims. And she should be talking about the ways she wants to get them their money back, but she does, you know, she, her inability to do that is the real issue. So it's like when people say like, Oh, I believe Erica. It's like, okay, well, I don't necessarily think she's lying about Mm -hmm. not knowing, but that's not the point anymore. Like she knows now. So why is she acting like this? Like, and that was what what was so wild is that it's, it was to me, it seems like it would, the, the, the move was so easy. Like what she should have done is such a no brainer to me. Like you can be, sad and frustrated and angry that you are being the subject of all these lawsuits and tabloid headlines and all that, that's fine, that can exist. At the same time, you can also just vocally say, this is really shitty for me. And also I feel so bad for these other people that are you know, the alleged victims of these things and I hope to make it all better for them. Like you can do both things and it's so easy to just have said that one thing. And I don't, I can't comprehend how it was like, pulling teeth to get her to even at the reunion say that but i don't know that she feels it like she calls well, she, like, like, she definitely she, she does not feel it at all but like this is tele- this is television it. like perform that like just say she like, doesn't want to that's, she's that's telling wild us that she already it i know but that's this is like the conflict here is that people on team erica are more willing to see something that no one else can see it's she's relying on the presumption she's saying uh, you should presume that i feel a certain way about these people regardless of whether or not i say it and regardless of whether and regardless of how i behave and so that sort of segment of the audience is saying of course she feels a certain way because all human people would seemingly feel that way and she is a human person and that's the conflict right now is she's making fun of people who are saying we don't see it because it it it's not there to be seen. Right. And it's crazy that she thinks that anyone would presume that she would feel that way, A, because as as Lewis said, she's, you know, so inherently cold, but B, everything that she said on the show was just completely bitter and annoyed and irritated to the point that like at the reunion, and this to me is actually like, the grossest thing that she has said or done all season, was she she made that flipping comment very sarcastically about, you know, all these people are suing me as if there's like some 
pot, pot gold. of gold at the end of some fucking rainbow. And I was like, that is so glib and like I said before, bitter and sarcastic and just proves that you, you know, deep inside of you have absolute no empathy for what these people are going through. And that's why, of course, everyone is yelling at you about, about this and about why you haven't mentioned the victims and all that. Because when you make a comment like that and that's the only comment you're making, that's showing how you truly feel. I mean, and it's showing that how she truly feels is how dare you come after me. That's what she's, it's not, you have to start with the basis of these people lost all of their money, hope, foundation, security. It was stolen from them. And what she is saying is, of course, I want these people to, to get their, their money. If it is legitimate, what they're asking for. And if these crimes are no longer alleged, which I'll never stop saying, of course, I will want them to get money. But it's an LOL that they're looking for it, including from this man's spouse. Like, how dare you? I'm going to make fun of that search while saying I'm actively participating in it. Mm-hmm. it doesn't, right. It's inherently, it's disingenuous. Right. I mean, I think that, like, I, I it's, it's tough because, like, there are things that she shouldn't say legally, and I understand that. Mm. But at the same time, I'm like, is it helping you legally to threaten Sutton? Like, is that, like, there's a lot of things she shouldn't say. She shouldn't say, like, of course Tom did this and I need people to get their money back. Like, she can't say that. That would be a bad idea for her to say. Um, But a lot of what she says in the show is probably bad for her in the long run, and she's still saying that. So when it comes to, like, making threats, she'll just kind of, like, fly off the handle. But when when it's talking about, you know, the victims of these alleged crimes, she, like, cannot bring herself to say anything even if it's like a you know uh a lawyer approved sort of uh statement so i think you know she's in a tough spot but is not there's things she could do that she's not doing and there's a lot she should not be doing that she is doing um and you know i i i understand some of her point about like why they're going after her it seems like it seems unfair to her and like sure it would suck to know that all your money came from uh, you know, alleged embezzlement, and you probably need to give a lot of that back. But it's like, you know, she she knows that now. She knows that she got the money. It's very strange that she's disputing this thing about the $20 million um, that was in the LA Times because uh, it was in the LA Times. It was a heavily lawyered piece, and she and her team have not disputed it. So if that's a libelous claim, as she's sort of like casually saying now, you would think that they would want to uh, dispute that. Uh, in in a formal way and not just kind of say no the 20 million dollar thing is not true it's obviously true uh it was in an article that was you know heavily research reported and and vetted by lawyers yeah so and based on court documents so it's like i don't really know um you know what she's talking about there but that's just as as a side piece i'm just kind of like i don't really know um what her angle is here except to kind of act like you know both Tom had control over her money and also like her money is from her and it's not Tom's money. It's very confusing, but her only sort of like hand to play now is like, they can't have my money because it wasn't, it wasn't their money to begin with. It wasn't money that he, you know, allegedly took from the victims. Well, here's the thing for me, like, obviously she was coached heavily throughout the entire season by lawyers. And I think from moment one, even though she denies it from fleeing La Quinta, um, the morning before the article came out, I think that was clearly a lawyer called her and said, you need to be off camera when Leave. this, when right. this comes out. Um, I think that her 
emotional meltdown on the hiking trail with Kyle. Um, what was clearly like a, a lawyer said, you need to do something to sort of get the narrative back on your side. I think all the, you know, Tom confronted the burglar and then had to go get eye surgery and then the car flipped over five times. Like, I think that was lawyer coaching to sort of try to reclaim the narrative. And she fumbled that obviously by, by having discrepancies in her story. Um, and to the point that like during the reunion, like Andy would like ask her very pointed follow-up questions about some of her answers. And she would have like a very scripted, vague, you know, sort of curt response. So I'm saying like, she had this, this lawyer coaching this entire time no lawyer on this planet would have said, oh, by the way, it's completely okay for you to just become an unhinged monster during the reunion and be just completely defensive and petulant and throw tantrums. Any lawyer coaching her would have been like, you need to show grace and contrition and be warm and measured when you do this. And because when a person reacts in that way, it's flagging for everyone that there's just flailing and might be guilty of something, whether they are or not. So I, that, that behavior, I think, was probably the worst thing she could possibly have done at a time when, again, like these lawyers had to have like coached her within an inch of her life. I, I can't imagine that they're happy with the way that, that that went. And she must not be happy either because it went so poorly. But that's what's so, what's so funny is that she had that scripted line at the end about like, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to answer these questions. Like, I really appreciate you asking me these tough questions, which like, you know, was obviously part of her prepared remarks, but does not at all fit after you saw her freak out at almost all of the questions she was asked. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really funny that she kind of like stayed, stayed back, oh, went back to the script to be like, I'm so glad that I was here and like could really answer your questions. And I hope, you know, you leave feeling better about all of this. And I was just kind of like, why would anyone feel better about you or your story after, the performance you just gave and the throw the throwaway line which i think was also a very heavily coached lawyer line of the best thing i can do for the victims is is cooperate which mm -hmm. that is fair like yes cooperating is something that there might have been other you know ex-wives that would not have done that you know good for you but after watching four hours of her it's just like again, I keep using the word bitter because that's all, like, just that's what it seemed to me, just like this like incredibly bitter person that she has to go through this. Um, to see that and then have her at the very end being like, you know, but I'm helping them because I'm cooperating. Like, well, you're, that might be true, but you're not sending that message with your tone and with your behavior and with everything else that you've been saying. Well, and she's not cooperating. And that's something that you also raised in your piece when you were like, it seems like she, and God bless a paraphrase, but she seems to be anointing herself the new Aaron Brockovich and responding to a subpoena, which you have every legal obligation yeah. to. It's not, it, it's not really a choice in the matter of whether or not to go through the process here. It's not a, it's not a sign of how um, supportive you're being toward the victims of this it's just the nature of litigation and bankruptcy court it's the least you can do not the most you can do but she was acting as if it was the most that she could do like she was you know it's an act of valor to just you know not flout a subpoena or and even the fact that she kept reiterating over and over again that you know she deserves some sort of prize for appearing on the show in spite of everything that was happening like I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, lawyers are going to be conservative in what they tell her to, to say, and, and they're going to kind of like ask her to not talk about X, Y, and Z. At the same time, you know, 
any good lawyer would tell her not, not to do the show. Like, I'm sure her lawyer said, you should not be on a reality show right now. You should not be like, you know, no one should be asking you these questions. You should not be giving any sort of like off the fly remarks. Like, you should not be doing this. So she obviously pushed back and said, no, I have to do the show for my image, for my fame, for my income. So like, if she actually cared at all, even if the lawyers were like, don't talk about the victims at all, she would say, okay, what can I say? You know, I want to express some sort of compassion. I want to say something, you know, to, to indicate that I do care about this. Like, help me figure out how to say that without getting myself into more legal trouble. Um, I, I don't doubt that they were like, do not mention this at all. You know, or don't talk about the, the alleged crimes or, you know, throw in as many alleged, alleged, allegedly's, hard word, <laughs> as you can. But like, and I get that. But then she didn't push back on that, apparently. Or she didn't, you know, she doesn't care enough to say like, no, I have to find a way to express genuine uh, compassion here, which, again, she doesn't feel, but she could perform. Like, I saw her in Chicago. I know that she can act. Um, so I think that if she really wanted to, she could find a way to say more than she is, aside from, like, a very annoyed and defensive, like, you know, of course I care about the victims. Right. Or, like, so, like, or at the very least, like, stop this full throttle, you know, tone of anger for just one moment when the victims are raised. Right. And, you know, have a, a moment of warmth and grace. And I'm sure go back to flying off the handle. If that's your MO and that's your America, that's what I'm going to do. But for that one brief moment when at the reunion they say, you know, can you at least express something for the victims? Stop that sort of annoyed tone. Because she even, like, even she, when she was like, of course I do. It was a, a snapback that she seemed pissed off to have to make when she could have just like for a moment taken a breath and been like, here's a genuine expression of empathy. But why should she have to is the question that she's asking in her head. Like when Sam, when, you know, they talk about, oh, it's a four part reunion and she tweets because of me, you know, when she's talking about the fact that why should she have to pay for crisis comms? It's a it's a waste of money. Essentially, she knows what's what to do. She's saying, I don't I don't have to do that because I don't want to. And you shouldn't ask me why. And if you do, I will murder you. I mean, that's her response to this and is like, fair enough but she's on television to. she's she on reality might, tv i mean and yet you know is she wrong that the reason there's a four-part reunion it's not something she should celebrate that it's because she's maybe a little bit of a monster mm -hmm. but like is she also wrong that the reason this is happening is because of not necessarily her i would argue the response to these horrific crimes her husband has committed and the question of whether she's benefited from them but also in like a micro sense, I mean, technically. I mean, we, so that's interesting because we keep talking about her as if like she knew exactly what she wanted and, and who she wanted to be through all this. But I think she just sent mixed signals the entire season that proves she actually had no flipping idea of how she wanted to play this or how she wanted to come off to people. Like the Kyle thing with the Tammy Faye Baker tears streaking, she wanted to be the like, empathetic scorned woman who has just nothing but sympathy and then she does the you want to know why me thing where she's like I'm going to be the bad notorious bitch who doesn't care that there's a scandal and that's just who I am like well you can't have it both ways and she couldn't seem to make up her, her mind for which way she wanted it to go yeah I mean the social media stuff is really weird because I'm like and that was my original pitch actually for that vulture article it ended up kind mm. of becoming more about what she was doing on the show and I alluded to social media, but originally, because it was sort of, when I first talked about that with an editor, it was earlier in the season before she had really gotten as vicious. It was more about how um, there was a real clear contrast between the sort of like sympathy she was asking for on the show 
and the defensive, uncaring yes. nastiness on social media. I don't think she, I think she has a social media team, um, but obviously approves everything that's getting posted. I don't think it's just her sitting there and, and tweeting things. Like, I don't know the breakdown exactly. Uh, I would be shocked if she were doing all her tweeting and posting herself. I assume it's people, but I don't know why that is the strategy on social media and why it has not changed um, the entire, I mean, it's been the same uh, style and tone from like before the season started to now. I mean, she's never shown any sort of kindness or warmth or whatever on social media. Well, and that's a really great question. And the answer to it, which she gave on the reunion, which I was honestly, genuinely shocked by, is to sort of weaponize the question of why aren't you expressing empathy? And her reaction is like, oh, you don't want me to make money? It's one of the smartest things that PK said this season. And I would argue that it's like a pretty nice long list of smart things that he said, or at least things that he said that I wish she would listen to was, you need to change your act. If your act before was conspicuous consumption, it no longer works in the environment that we're in when we know the actual very human cost of it. And her response to that is, you don't, shouldn't I be working? You don't want me to work? Like she, she only sees it as you want me to survive or you don't, and I shouldn't have to change. You just need to adapt. Right. And it's warped. But in a, but in a, in a short term sense, I think she is making the right choice. I think in the, in the short term, mm. uh, her behavior is going to keep her on housewives and make her money. I think in the long term, uh, housewives doesn't last forever. You know, people's interest in you doesn't last forever. And I think making so many enemies and making yourself so disliked is not a good long-term strategy. It only works in terms of like, would Bravo fire her now? Of course not. There's no way, right. you know, and her performance while frustrating was fascinating. And like the most interesting part of the reunion to me was part four, because it was like Erica's most sort of like all over the mm. place, unhinged uh, behavior. But like if Housewives went away or if, you know, ratings dropped and they wanted to make a change, you know, and public opinion was super anti-Erica, would they keep her if she were, like, asking for more money, which I'm sure she's doing now? Like, maybe not, you know? And she can't then, if she loses housewives, is she going to get endorsement deals? Is she going to get another series if her only act is to be, you know, rich and mean and, like, defensive? So I do think it makes sense for a right-now strategy, but I also feel like next season, uh, if she's smart she will pivot and go for a redemption arc. She will make amends with Sutton. She will, you know, come at it from a place of like, you know, if she's capable of this, which is a big if. That's what that's what she should do because I think that that's the best long-term strategy for her. But in the short term, I think it's working for her because, you know, the show got great ratings. But do you think that that's a strategy that changed like midway through the season or two thirds away through the season? Because at the beginning when all this was happening, again, like, she was coming to every scene looking like a wounded, sick puppy dog, yeah. desperate for your, you know, sympathy. Mm -hmm. And she was so sad and tragic. And she was just like this, like, Fantine figure about to sing a dream a dream and then expire. And I think it's, it, that, that sort of play for, you know, everyone's sympathy grew, grew and grew and grew with each episode, culminating with the, the classic look at my life line. Right. And then from there, it was a snap into the, I'm going back to the petulant, angry, bad bitch, no apologies, Erica character again. 
and that's what you carry through to the reunion. So there was, a, was like a, such a flip to me. The strategy changed when Rinna called her and said, everyone met behind your yeah. back to talk about you. And then she has, to, then she's obviously like, you know, I don't think she's hurt because I don't think she has real human feelings, but I think she was like pissed off and angry about that. And I think she could only hide it for so long. The strategy changed because she expected the cast to rally around her. And as soon as it became clear that they were all meeting behind her back, then she totally changed her persona. But it's funny because that's, the next... that, that's something that she could have used for even more of the like, look at me, even now my friends are talking behind my back. Yeah. I'm even more of a tragic figure than before. But well, instead she, she, she tried it. Yeah. She tried that, but I think she's also like a really angry person and that she could not keep it in. I mean, she came to that first dinner after and she was really quiet and really muted and she did kind of answer questions and she like, you could tell she was on the verge of snapping, but she like held up together. She seemed very medicated. And very medicated. Then then, then the the next dinner is when she really loses it. But like, she was obviously trying to keep going for sympathy. And I don't think that she consciously was like, I need to do a different persona. I think she was reacting to everyone around her. I don't think her strategy changed after she found out about the meeting. I think she lost her shit. I think her strategy changed when somebody said to her, you cannot murder Sutton on camera. And she had that moment on one of her their vacays where she's like, my life's really hard, but I'm going to pat you on the back and I'm going to like change my voice. So it sounds like I'm being reasonable and I'm going to apologize to you. And the reason I don't think her behavior is going to change in any way next season is she couldn't stop herself during the reunion from saying, I didn't mean it. I was playing you. Right. She's well, not she, in, the, be in the confessional, stand empathy. She said the same thing in the confessional in that episode, which I thought made mm-hmm. it so frustrating to watch because even if she she could have just done it so differently, she could have said like, "No, I felt bad and I genuinely hurt her and I wanted to kind of like come around." But like then I've then you know the reunion could have said like, "I saw the thing she said behind my back and now I'm angry again." Whatever it is, like she could have played that very differently but to just admit that she was full of shit the whole time was a really bad move and I think her reason in the confessional was like I wanted to make peace because I didn't want to have an unpleasant vacation and it's like Mm -hmm. okay but you didn't just make peace you were like I'm sorry like you know called her honey like really was like explaining you know all that stuff made it seem like although even then she like snapped in the next scene because she can't really keep it in um would love to see her in anger management would love to see her get some counseling (laughs) for that because I do feel like we keep talking about all this as a plan and I think a lot of it is you know very conscious performance of things I think her her Twitter account is obviously performing um Erica Jane that is that is very much what she's doing um or what her team is doing with her help but on the show I think it's a mix of that and like she genuinely has a terrible temper like I don't think when she snapped at Eileen over nothing that was Mm. like a calculated move I think she's just like a loose cannon and that was just Mm -hmm. her you know losing her shit so it's it's got to be both things of like she's doing this on purpose but also like she cannot help herself I also you know listen some of these people have teams and some of them don't like I do believe that Kyle is entirely in charge of her own social and I think at one point Erica surely had a team of people because if we see how many people were a part of her glam entourage obviously social media would be no different in terms of having a big staff however I do think that's her responding to stuff and if it wasn't before it certainly is now because she can't 
afford to have I mean there are only so many things that her assistant Leia or Layla can do like Layla's now doing her makeup so like I don't know that she can put on Erica's not waterproof mascara for her at the same time as she's sending a DM you know like yeah. I think that that a lot of that is Erica and if it's not what does it say about her character that it feels so closely connected that's fair I do think when she's like when the episode's airing and she's like yelling at people directly that seems like Erica to me because it's yeah. like it's not really like polished and it's very mm-hmm. reactive and like I think that's her. Um, but when it's, I think I'm thinking, I guess, more of the Instagram where it's like those like brand yeah. posts and stuff like that to me is obviously written by a team and the tone of it of like, you know, I don't give a fuck. Like it's definitely Erica's opinion, but it also feels like something that was like talked about with someone else, even with the, whatever brand she's doing the posting for Like That's there's their collaboration there. Um, but you're right. The, the more like off the cuff tweets are probably just her um, drinking and watching housewives. It is interesting. I just went on her Twitter account. She hasn't tweeted since October 7th, not even like in a reply to somebody. And that was the day that a, the, um, the like comparing herself to Jesus controversy happened. Mm. Um, but B is also when the reunion started airing. The Jesus stuff happened early though. The, she reposted that image of her on the cross. Um, From drunk, drunk drawn. Um, that, but that, that was like. It's, like... It's, it's, it's the last thing that she posted was a response to the page six article about her being slammed for comparing herself to Jesus and met her legal right. scandal. But th- right, that's that right. Was October, that, that was October 7th that she yeah, posted so that. Yeah, so like that, that controversy bubbled up again, I guess, because someone brought it up, but she posted that image, like that happened before the season started airing, I believe. Or yeah, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying like, it's interesting to me that she hasn't posted in a month and yeah. coincides with the reunion airing. Um, and like, if that was any sort of like, if, there's a, if it's a coincidence I mean, or if that's a strategy or no, a lawyer I think, thing yeah. or... Yeah, and I think, like, why post, um, you know, and... and, and but why I post it at all through the whole thing? She's been doing it the no, entire totally. season. No, totally, but I think, I think like, yes, there is, there is some sort of, like, maybe course correction happening of, like, it's not worth it. Like, for her to get in these, like, petty fights with people where I'm just like, you know, why, what, what are you gaining by this? Like, I think that, I also think that she, you know, has gotten weird responses of people being, you know, people like Candace, which, like, consider the source... Being like, you know, Erica's aspirational. Like, I, you know, she's acting. What? Like oh, you didn't see that? No, I have her blocked, and I'm no longer on Twitter. So, what is my, <laughs> what's my best friend saying? What she might fuck? have, she might have said it on Watch What Happens Live. I don't actually know, but she said that she loved Erica's like social media use because, like, of course, Candace would be doing the same thing. Like, that's that's her mo. Um, and but there are people, the people who've come to Watch What Happens Live who've said basically, like, you know, they're they're giving her this feedback of like. You're defending yourself and you have every right to. Michael Rappaport says the same shit. I mean, I mean again, that, that guy, consider yeah. consider the source of like <laughs> someone who someone who made racist comments about Kenya, but then keeps getting asked back on the show. Um, separate issue. Yeah, I mean, I think that like she's taken all of that. Megan McCain, again, these are the worst people possible, but these are all people who have kind of given her support for her heinous behavior online. And at least for a while, I think that was emboldening her to keep doing it because it was like you know, the people who matter to her, the worst people in the world, were um were saying this was like good and she should keep doing it. And maybe something switched, maybe it was lawyers, maybe it was like seeing um that the bulk of the tweets she gets are incredibly like nasty and, you know, hate Erica. Maybe at some point that made her switch. It is interesting she hasn't tweeted in a month. I, I wish I had that kind of uh willpower. <laughs> 
I mean, the the raising of Candace is fascinating to me. We're recording this before part one of the Potomac reunion has aired, but there was a little sneak peek teaser of a moment that was released this weekend in anticipation of part one, which is Andy essentially saying to Candace, like, how is this going for you being a piece of shit on social? <laughs> and Candace essentially saying, I'm it is a strength of mine that I am better at body shaming and fat shaming and talking about a person's mother's whatever life essentially is a punitive measure. It is a sign of my talent that I do this stuff. You guys just aren't as good as I am. And there has been a big reaction to that moment on social, having not seen the episode yet. And there is also some pushback of people on Team Candace saying, it's not that I'm diverting attention from what Candace is doing, but where was all this anger about Erica calling a cast member a cunt on right. the reunion? Like, we're talking about how bad Candace is, but look at what Erica has done. Wait, where is especially, the energy toward that? Especially because Erica, defending herself, said that weird racist shit where she was like, if I, I was on Potomac. <laughs> oh my God. Where she was, where she was basically she saying about, about, New York. about yeah. threatening, about threatening um, Sutton and her family being like, well, if, mm. if they had said it on Potomac or Atlanta or New York, um, you know, who would have cared? I think ourselves being like, what does that mean? Because we all know what it means. Yeah. Atlanta um, Potomac came out of her mouth real quick. Real fast. Real quick. Yeah. I mean, there, there are different standards for how people behave in different cities. And a lot of it is, is, mm -hmm. is racial. A lot of it is about, um, is I wouldn't say socioeconomic in the same way because they're all rich, but it's like, you know, you look at the rich women in Beverly Hills versus New Jersey. And that's also, you know, very different in terms of, you know, there's cultural elements at play too. Um, so, but it's a fair question. And like Erica's behavior is as bad as Candace in, in many ways. Um, but I don't think that the fans are rallying behind Erica either. I think Candace seems to have more of like a Stan response than Erica does. Yeah, 100%. But, the, but, but, but there are the people like, yes, Candace, like as much as Candace gets a lot of backlash and a lot of shit for the, you know, really offensive reads that she gives, what she said at the reunion that everyone is responding to about like having it as one of her talents is quoting what people say all the time about her. Like she has a lot of people who just are like, no one insults the way that Candace does and it's good TV and all that kind of stuff. And it's in equal volume to the people who hate what she's doing. And I think that there, I mean, whether it's Michael Rappaport and Megan McCain, but also a lot of more rational, not toxic people who are delighting in all this Erica Jane-ness. Um, and, and like, do you think that this, you know, you know, petulant diva character that she's sort of being unapologetic with all of this, is something that they're enjoying watching. And how much of that is them agreeing with that person, whether it's Erica or Candace when it comes to the actual response, and how much of that is wanting to be seen as someone who thinks differently? I think better, because I'm on the outside of this. But also, like, the, the one of the things that we haven't really talked about is, you know, how much of it is wanting to watch what they consider to be good TV. Like, mm -hmm. we're talking about all of this in very human terms and very, like... Mm -hmm you know, practical, real-world almost aspirational. <laughs> it's, sort of, it's sort of moralistic to, the, to a form of aspiration. This is, yeah. this is television. And I, I think that, like, one of the questions people ask a lot, whether it's about sort of, like, endorsing really upsetting things that someone like Candace might say or something that Erica might do to the point of, or, or the, the fact that, like, we turned this into the highest-rated season in a really long time just because we had this sort of, like, 
blood sport fascination and this extremely upsetting real life controversy that includes victims and and widows and orphans and you know everything that Dorit says and like <laughs> at some point like we we are sort of fanning the flames of gross behavior and to the point of excusing it because we do get a high from watching it as good television and right. there has to be I think at some point a breaking point to that and it, I think we're sort of now exploring where the breaking point is, whether it's with things that Candace mm. says, whether it's with everything going on with Erica Jane, and we'll see a lot of that too with Jen Shaw on Salt Lake City. Like at what that point, like at what point are we like sort of chorus members in this grotesque opera? And you know, at what point are we sort of in, almost mandating and encouraging the behavior? Like, I wonder if the other franchises in other cities right now are like, what crime should I be committing so that I can be the next breakout big star? I or mean, like... Lu Luann is killing herself that she didn't like, you know, get arrested later because it would have really <laughs> right. been done more for her. She'd play that differently. Um, I, I think that there's, there's always- Or, the, or Luann, like what maybe, maybe would have gone back and been like, instead of being so like sad about it and going to rehab and being so contrite, she's mm -hmm. like, if this is like how people are reacting to Erica and how they're reacting to Candace, maybe I should have just been like, you know fuck the police arrest me again i did nothing wrong and like try to become some sort of well, like well then i would have been notorious. more but yeah but, but, but that's yeah. a bad thing like that's bad that's a bad way well, of yeah. wanting to react and the only reason that she would have gone in that direction was because she would have observed the way that fans are treating you know these other cities but, but i think that what er what erica does that's mm. so compelling to me is not her lashing out which is kind of boring she's not good at reading people she's like you know she's nasty and she threatens um her like insane victim behavior is what i find the most compelling like her look at my life look at my fucking life moment is like the best moment to me of the whole season and that's not like that's just her being like a crazy person who can only see you know yeah, she cannot see outside of herself yeah that's it's that's camp. that's fantastic but in general, yes, I mean, this is a fine line. We watch these shows and like ever since Teresa flipped the table, there has been more encouragement to have bigger and louder fights. Um, there often is violence involved. Like sometimes it's acknowledged and sometimes it's not. But uh, yeah, of course, when you're watching these shows and you're not saying I'm gonna turn it off because uh, you know this happened, like you are endorsing it. And you know, it's become an issue, I think, with people's political views and what they're saying. It's like, where do we draw mm -hmm. the line with Kelly Dodd Ramona. or with Ramona, like where it's like, these are all come into play. And there are many of us who I, I don't quit these shows. I keep watching them. Like would I have watched Dallas though, if they kept going and kept Cameron on, like, I'd like to think that I wouldn't, you know, like there has to be a, a line somewhere. And I think in this particular case, in terms of like lashing out, um, I do think fan response is not uniformly like in support of this because like, is anyone, I don't think that like Jen Shaw's outbursts are a draw for Salt Lake City. I think that people mostly don't like her mm -hmm. because she's so uh, volatile and, and, and whatever she's doing is like kind of boring um, and but want to see her sort of downfall. Like to me, that's more of the draw there than like, you know, Jen Shaw is going to like scream in Meredith's face. Um, Meredith's like icy bitchiness back is is more of the, more of the draw there. But um, I don't know that like, you know, Erica's threatening behavior is what is being, you know, is what people are really coming for. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just looking at like how I enjoy her, which is like to see her inability to express like human emotion. That's what I, what I like, but. But I think what you're describing is, is something that I probably wasn't saying very articulately, which is that like 
we're watching because this horrible thing happened. This horrible thing with like extreme stakes, tragic victims, really bad, horrible shit happened. And we're watching the show because we want to see how a very rich lady is going to react to that. But do you think and there's any difference from me, how it's always me, been? I think that the the things are getting more serious. Like like I mean, like they said in the reunion, there has never been a situation like this with such horrifying victims and like such 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 tragedy and darkness. And yeah. the fact that like that's the thing that made us even more interested in watching it, I think, is something that requires a bit of like a moral sort of um, contemplation about. I would just look back at season two of like, you know, heavily centered around Taylor being abused and, you know, then mm -hmm. her husband died by suicide, like between, you know, before the season started airing. And it's like, I don't think the show was as big and got as much press then, you know, and that was more of like a personal family drama than, you know, this with like, you know, victims and millions and millions of dollars involved. But it is the same sense of like, I don't know where, where your moral line is. Like, was it was it right to watch Taylor have these nervous breakdowns and, you know, and, and all of that shit and knowing what she was going through? Like, that's really, that's that's tough also. I think it's always a moral question, but I, I think you're right that like, you have to do a little bit of soul searching here. And I think when we start getting into more and more crimes and especially crimes where there are victims versus what uh, Joe and Teresa Tree. did, where it's yeah. just like, you know, I don't care if you defraud banks. I mean, like, you probably shouldn't because there are consequences, but like, I'm not worried about the bank there. So I think that there is a difference, and you're right. And I think the Jen situation will be really interesting because, um, you know, what she's accused of doing is, you know, defrauding old people directly and ruining their lives. Whereas, like, even with Erica, we don't think that Erica personally stole money from people we think that she you know potentially spent millions of dollars of money that was not hers that was owed to orphans and widows so that's a different kind of bad than what jen is accused of doing and like yes where where is the line there but the, the thing about erica it, that i think is sort of gross in our part is that it's, it's less about what she may or may not have done but more the fact that like we want to see like is she gonna suffer is she gonna be sad like how bad is your life gonna get? Like that's the kind of thing that we're tuning in to watch. And that's sort of like the blood sport that's a little gross. And I think with Salt Lake City, remember it's not only Jen that is now gonna be a plow line. We have Mary Cosby who has risen to be this mm -hmm. sort of like gay icon figure because of her kookiness and her weird style and all of that. And now we're seeing that there's gonna be this whole sort of questioning of whether or not she's defrauding church members and leading occults and stealing from a congregation that's some really you know dark dark stuff and like so how do we reconcile that with this sort of like her crazy style and her weird chairs and she's such a kooky lady and that's why we like watching her with like oh wait she's a cult leader perhaps allegedly and like allegedly stealing from god-fearing churchgoers like so it's like, I think the, yes, it's always been a part of the show, you know, going back to the beginning and that's been part of the appeal, but I think it's just escalating more and more bit by bit with each franchise and each new season. And I think at some point there's going to have to be some sort of like reckoning of how dark is too dark when it comes to that. 
Well, and Housewives wasn't set up to have a line. Housewives was set up to get a glimpse into this very private, seemingly impossible to reach standard of wealth. So now we're starting to understand for some of these people, for the people who are interested in being on Housewives, which is a very different idea of wealth or rather rich, what that cost is. And it turns out the cost is sometimes old people who are computer illiterate in the case of Jen, or as the cost is in Erica Jane, we're going to spare no expense to show the life of rich that she leads and how wonderful her husband is. And it turns out that that was based on, you know, exploiting burn victims and orphans and whomever else. I mean, Housewives wasn't set up for these kinds of conversations. So I think the conflicts are going to increase in desperation because the show is different than it used to be the show used to be family van and now it's like how many private jets can I go on and notice that my tea bag is slightly out of favor you know like people the the kinds of people who are attracted to housewives has changed as housewives has changed but the standard of like morality didn't exist before because participants were different than they are now right you know the stakes in every way have rise but how how do we go about uh, presuming or assuming that there's a standard regardless of what are what the network purports when this is an environment in which a standard can't necessarily live but I think that I mean, first, a couple things. First of all, like I think Housewives is not a monolith, and like we have to recognize these mm. different different cities, different casts, different production companies um, from show to show, and there are different lines for all of them. But I do think, like, and I guess I would say that in terms of like Potomac, we're not seeing anything on this level. There was one physical fight uh, last season, and it was a huge issue, and the person got fired after it. So, or well, I guess- no, 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 the person willingly quit. She's one of maybe five. She didn't get fired. She got humiliated, which is a different kind of problem, but she didn't get fired. Okay. Um, Yeah. I I feel like it, well, whatever. I don't want to litigate Monique. You you could argue she got pushed off the show by her treatment and felt like she had no choice but to remain away. Yeah. I think they wouldn't. wouldn't She was offered a contract. They wouldn't have filmed with her. So, you know, it was sort of whatever it was. But my point is that like, you know, there are, there, there have been lines and we discover them. I think in real time, I think we sort of like production mm-hmm. figures out like, is this person too much of a liability to keep on the show? The other cast members think, is it, do I want to film this person? Do I want to be associated with this person? A lot of it happens like, you know, it's case by case. So you have Monique, people not wanting to film with her. You have on Jersey, Danielle, they just didn't want her around anymore because she got violent. And then you have things like, you know, production saying we can't keep Phaedra on the show after, you know, the mm-hmm. allegation of her, uh, of Candy attempting to, you know, rape Portia. Like, they were like, that's a line we can't cross. So there aren't, like, written standards. There aren't, you know, a lot of it is based on how things play out, how the audience receives it. Um, and then you have people like Kelly getting fired. And then you have Ramona. Like, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Ramona yet. I do not think Ramona will be back, but I, maybe I'm being too optimistic. Um, you're being naive. I, I don't think I'm being naive. I don't think I don't think I'm being naive. I think that um, I think that had the TMZ article been the only thing, they would have been able to kind of move past it. But since Variety also reported it, and that there were two investigations into about her Ebony racist comments, we're talking. Yeah. No, well, the first one was about a crew member, and that like that was corroborated at the time, and they still kept her on. I think she's now a huge liability for them. And the only reason they're not firing her is because of all stars. And they don't want her 
you know, going even more MAGA on Twitter in the lead up to that, which she might do if she were fired. Anyway, um, I think that uh, there is a line, and I think you're right, Sarah, that it hasn't always been there because they haven't needed to really examine what that is. But that, like, they are constantly... I think they examined it, though, you know, like, early on because you have, like, like the Taylor situation. Like, it was, there was obviously a conversation, do we air this season, you know, after Russell's death? Like, they, they had to kind of decide yes, it's worth still doing this. Um, when Jersey aired its first season and Teresa flipped the table, which was the mm-hmm. first kind of that level of violence, not really, no mm-hmm. one got hurt, but like that was the first, I, I, for a story I never wrote, talked to Ashley, uh, Jacqueline's daughter, and she was saying that when that happened, like they thought they would never air it because it seemed like it was beyond the pale. It seemed like something that you would not see on a, on a docu-series about rich people. But obviously, you know, production was like, you know, they decided what the line was and like flipping a table was something they wanted on the show. So I just feel like the standards of what Housewives is are constantly evolving and they're deciding what to keep and who to keep based on, you know, individual cases and fan response. But I think it's there's two things. There's the production side of it and what their line is. There's also, from the viewer perspective, what our line is and what we want to watch and what we find enjoyable. Like, there are the people who watch you know candace fly off the handle with her talent for reading and insults and all of that and they kevin did air quotes everyone kevin kevin did air quotes (laughs) listeners can't can't hear that so i should make sure that's clear you weren't saying genuine talent don't thunder i mean arguable um but so anyway so the people who like generally enjoy that and when she's doing it they're like living for it they're tweeting like that was a great read you know all of that like even though it might cross a you know a bit of a line of offense they're still like you know no one does it better than her but then when she starts to have these violent altercations you're like well that's a little too far but she's being encouraged by the response to her escalating things to a point that she keeps doing it and then when she you know crosses that arbitrary line and you know there's salad being tossed or there's the you know provoking Monique um with the hair flipping thing like that then it goes too far and viewers find that to be really uncomfortable and not pleasant to watch not enjoyable far too dark so it's like us ourselves are trying to grapple with what level of extreme behavior are we willing to consider entertainment and i think and that's changing normalizing it right right and but i think like that's i i, I hear you and i and, and even and it, it, i have one more example to too like like, like with, with with ramona this last season of new york a lot of what she was doing it was just classic ramona behavior and then but because we we're living in a different time the classic ramona behavior was viewed through a different lens and became extremely problematic and not just problematic in like an awkward way on tv in a way that like was impossible for viewers to stomach to the point that they fled the show. The ratings were awful. They refused to watch anymore. And so like they are, they were making a statement that like what they considered to be entertaining about the Ramonaness ceased to be entertaining. Um, And I think that's the sort of evolving question, evolving line, evolving standard that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I think that that happens, you know, in a smaller way that I think each individual housewife grapples with that because they're so obsessed with fan reaction and also because they know that their placement on the show, you know, is contingent on the fans enjoying them. And so like you have someone like Rinna who, 
you know, her, her act every season was to like go hard on someone and, and be a shit stirrer and, and really come for them. And so she had Munchausen's and then she had um, uh, Kim being close to death. And then she had mm-hmm. going after Lisa, Jeez. which like the first two were really bad. The Vanderpump thing, who cares? And she was right. But like, I mean, they were all right that Lisa leaked stories. Um, but then the Denise season, people really turned on her because she was so relentless with Denise over something that didn't matter. And she was so mean to her and she was so cruel to someone she called her, you know, friend of however many years that people really turned on Rinna. And I think that this season, I don't know exactly what she's doing because I think she's really played it all wrong. But I would argue that she came into this season, you know, reacting to that of I crossed a line, I went too far, and now I have to be a softer, more understanding, uh, less accusatory Lisa Rinna because people really hated how I treated Denise. And I can't have, she couldn't have another season where she came after someone. It would not, if she had spent the whole season treating Garcelle the way she did, you know, toward the end, I think, you know, she could have been fired based on how much everyone was sick of her shit. Um, They're sick of her now still, but I, I, I don't know. I think that like, that is something that every housewife looks at of like, they have their own lines and they have to then decide like what's going over it. Well, and I think it's also what's in her best interest. Well, a person could argue that her trying to like essentially murder Denise was actually in her best interest because it gave her an interesting arc. And you could argue that it's in her best interest to be essentially an executive assistant to Erica because it's a part that no one else is as willing to play in terms of like the absolute biggest, best, you know, sycophant-esque servitude or whatever you want to call it. Like, you could argue that she's doing that in pursuit of her staying power on beach, even if it is, as you said about Erica, uh, explosive in the short term and maybe not a great investment in the long, you know? But I don't think it's even working for Brenna in the short term. I think if you look at her approval ratings now, I think that they would be quite low. I don't think Negative people, three. And yeah. I think, I think with Denise even like, you know, I, 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 whenever I tweet a housewife's thing that gets like any sort of attention in terms of like random people who don't follow me responding, I feel like I get a better sense of like public mm-hmm. housewife's opinion because they'll have more Republicans in their replies um, who aren't following me. And I feel like when I tweeted about, I was asking if Rinna had ever provided a show answer as to why she cared so much about, like, I know, I know sort of behind the scenes why she cared so much about the Brandy shit, but like, was there a canonical reason why she cared so much about that? And like, I would say that like 95% of the responses I got were very anti-Rinna. And there were a few people mm-hmm. being like, no, she had to go hard on Denise. Like, I think that she went too far in that case and that people reacted to that because of it. So like, I don't know that it was, I think that she is also really bad at making those sort of choices, but um, she does constantly try to kind of like Rinna more than I think any of the other ones of Beverly Hills is, I mean, maybe Erica in a different way, but she's also bad at it. I think Rinna is like, you know, basically a, a hollow, a, a shell trying to kind of like conform to what will make her the most money and keep her on the show. And I don't think she really has any strong opinions uh, when it comes to the actual things happening. But again, I think there's <clears throat> the dissonance between the stars of the show trying to calibrate their own image and react to public opinion. And what I was talking about before of like TV viewers and what they want to watch and what they'll tolerate. Like, in the, in the world of production and Rinna trying to keep her spot on the show and Rinna wanting to keep her approval numbers up, yeah, she went too far with the Denise stuff and it did bad for her likability. 
I think from the TV, TV viewer standpoint, it made for good television. And, and I, what, I don't know that I, I found the Denise stuff really uncomfortable to watch. And I, I know. Unco- didn't. Yes. Uncomfortable. Yes. But like still juicy and like wanting to tune into it. And there's a difference between wanting to tune in to see what was going to shake down with the Denise stuff, even though I found the way Rena was approaching it to be very gross versus like not being able to physically turn on New York because what what Ramona was doing and how she's reacting to things was just so egregious that you couldn't possibly stomach watching another episode. So I think people were entranced by the Denise drama, even though they found the way they were treating her to be bad, but they're not able to physically watch Ramona Singer behave that way. I think with Beverly Hills, it was like people were turning in for the end of the first episode of that season. And like the idea of Denise in the green screen and like the and this is when she never filmed again. And we want to watch that narrative play out. And it turns out that the narrative that we watched play out was really cringe to watch. Right, play but like, out. We, got to, we got to watch Marcus, Bravo, Bravo, either. fucking Bravo. We got to like watch that unfold. But I think the end result was that the cost of it was like really cringe and really tough. Like the reunion was not not a pleasant experience when usually right. it's a, a a culmination of everything that we're watching and the difference in New York is like I think both the idea of it and the execution were completely off nobody was like thinking about you know oh this mid-season yada yada is going to turn out in a really interesting way it was always off it was always it always right. felt kind of dirty and wrong Beverly Hills at least we had the idea of it being something interesting and wild and it just didn't pan out that way right. I think. yeah i think From i think Beverly Hills, if the if beverly hills if the whole like tenor of the season had been as bad as the reunion i think people would have dropped off i think rena took it farther than people wanted and i think had it not she was so mean to her at the reunion it was so unpleasant that i think that would have been something that if it had been playing out more on the show during the season ratings would have gone down more i don't think people were like excited by that part of it so that's what I mean with the line where I think Rinna did cross a line. And, you know, I, I know people who didn't want to watch the season because she was still on it because she was so, you know, so relentless at, at the reunion and, and just like would not stop beating up Denise, who was like crying and didn't want to ruin her family. Um, so, yeah, I think that like there that like she sort of lucked out in that the Erica storyline made everyone kind of forget about that. But I do think it was a line that was crossed. I do have to say, though, just to like sort of counter myself, the ooh, you're so angry is an iconic moment. I mean, that's mm-hmm. two soap stars meeting for a soap opera scene like that. That was an iconic moment, even if the cost was like maybe Denise. <laughs> I mean, it was a good moment, but it's also like one of the Rena things where I'm like, I just nothing she does ever like grounded in reality. It's just like she can never stop acting. And sometimes it's really fascinating. And sometimes it's just like I find it a little bit hard to watch because it's such a performance. That like, you know, when has Rinna ever been a genuine person? Like ever. Well, oh, when she was giving Garcella a hug on the couch during the reunion. (laughs) Oh my god. The most genuine moment of television I've ever seen in my life. Unbearable. (laughs) Unbearable. I mean, and the conflict of what we're now seeing play out on social, which is this very sad, very real experience of her daughter Delilah going through 
some form of a chronic invisible illness and essentially saying, I have no hope. Please slide into my DM. I watched the entire 30 minute spiel and please slide into my DMs. And and if you have anyone that's L.A. based, because I now can't fly for health reasons, yada, yada, yada. And in that in her Instagram live story video, yada, she talks about the fact that Yolanda has been really helpful to her and that she also separately was advised not to speak publicly about her circumstances and in one throwaway moment she talks about Yolanda and refers in some way to the fact that she you can draw your own conclusions as to why I'm not supposed to talk about this and if we thought Rinna was performative before and didn't have stakes and put her stakes into uh into trying to bury her friends off camera I mean who's gonna raise this now because it does seem like there is some way to talk about this on the upcoming season that puts all the pieces together that hopefully also doesn't use her daughter as the person being punished by raising the issue. You know, there is something that could come up this season. I just don't know what it is. And if anybody actually wants to do that job. Yeah. I don't know. The next season is so it's a mystery to me because I don't really know. I think filming it so soon after the reunion slash, you know, doing it while the reunion was airing, I think is a Mm. bad choice. I understand why, you know, from a standpoint of ratings, why they wanted to keep going. But I do think that, like, you got to give them a a few months to, like, relax and, like, also, like, take in public opinion and sort of, like, you know, calm down and all of that stuff, where I I sort of worry that, like, next season we're going to get just kind of a continuation of the same shit. And, like, it's going to be Erica, you know, at the same wavelength. And, like, if she can't, you know simmer and and sort of all the same people acting the same way whereas like I would love to see something different and like it would be a really good season to take down Lisa Rinna and mm-hmm. like I don't know if that's going to happen and I don't know who would do it exactly um but even from a standpoint of like you know from Kyle and, and Dorit's perspective I think that like if they turned on Rinna which they probably will never do um that would be something that fans would really enjoy. I think that like, it's, it's probably, it shouldn't be the end of the run for her. And I think like, I don't know, but I, I, but I feel like it's not going to happen in part because filming the season so close together means we're not going to get any sort of like variations on what we just saw. Well, I mean, and the Dorit thing happened while filming, after filming had begun. So that's going to throw a little wrench into a lot or stir up some other stuff or not. Maybe it'll be an isolated. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I mean, it's, it's hard to think about how that plays out in any way other than like, you know, Dorit reacting and probably getting therapy and, and, you know, working through that. I mean, it was just like a sad, horrible thing that happened. Um, Unless like Rena decides to, you know, say something crazy about it. Maybe she'll, she won't, she, she probably wouldn't at this point, but like, I I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really like, I don't see how that becomes like an overarching storyline in the same way that like things have in the past because there's nothing really it's just a re being the victim of something bad like i don't know that it really you know can be a storyline mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um unless but yeah the housewives I mean, orchestrated it maybe this right. is that's, crystal's that's big Edwin. play crystal's that's big play so wait so that's what i'm wondering about because teddy has been seen filming again as which, a brunette like, spoiler which, alert which like to me is just Kyle's inability to stop her shitty friend from coming on the show. But like, is if that's a, that could be the only storyline is like, why is like bring Teddy back to destroy her? And that's fine with me. But like, I don't know. I just, I just think that like the smart move to me would be turning on Rinna because she's the least liked of all of them at this point. Um, probably Erica has a lower approval rating, but like you can't lose Erica right now. So um, 
you know, maybe if they had that time to decompress, they would realize that. But I don't, I think that they, I mean, it's so hard to tell like the genuine relationships they have because, you know, they're all actors on a a reality show, literal actors here. Um, But I I have to believe they know that Rinna is not a trustworthy person you should, you know, count on to be a real friend after the shit she's pulled. Or maybe she is, and this is just the part that she's decided to play. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like the thing that that has annoyed me the most about her just sort of like unquestioning support of Erica, and sort of sort of like being the the parrot on her shoulder, yelling at everyone in her defense at every dinner, is that you never actually saw any sort of like meaningful moment of friendship between them. Like there, like I at least nothing that really sh- struck me in a way that like. I believe that this was such a ferocious bond that Rena would just like blindly support her throughout this entire ordeal. But if they had shown that, or if, if it was real and authentic and we had seen that in any sort of way, I would be less irritated about it because obviously this is a reality show and the only way to make something like this Erica drama interesting is to have there be sides. There has to be a team, someone in the team, someone else. So if, if, this was actually a genuine strong relationship that we had seen proof of, I would be far more like, okay, Rena, I believe that you're team Erica and it's not going to irritate the bejesus out of me to watch you do this. But there seems to be no basis for it in reality. Could a person argue that that Rena is playing by Erica Erica's rules and giving her what feels to Erica like the most kind of organic natural friendship in the fact that she is just a silent protector (laughs) silent and vocal protector like that is what organic friendship looks like to Erica that is as real and nuanced as a person can maybe get in friendship with Erica which is being her enforcer that is Erica's form of like nuanced intimacy whatever else Mm. it's her love language that's her love language is the kind of friendship that Rin is giving her I think which sucks but yeah. that might be real. That I don't, might I, genuinely I, be real. I, and I can't imagine Erica turning on Rinna for a lot of reasons. But I just, I always wonder if people like Kyle and Dorit, who I think are very much like moving around based on on the response they get. Um, you know, Kyle will always be a survivor. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I think that uh, Rinna is dead weight. They should get rid of. But I, I probably, again, being too optimistic about how things could play out. Um, speaking of things playing out in a surprising uh, a surprising result, I'm going to transition a little bit in a way that will make sense to nobody, including myself, but I'm just honestly curious about this. Kevin, what was your reaction to seeing that Andy not only retweeted your article for the Daily Beast, but also said that this is a, you know, essentially a thoughtful must read, considering what you say in that piece about Erica? What was your response to it? I mean, I was... A, flattered, B, impressed by him for sharing it, um, but mostly just surprised because, like, like like you said, it wasn't positive about Erica in any way. Um, it di- didn't just, like, criticize the way that she handled things and how it played to viewers who were sort of upset by that. It, um, it criticized the show's approach to it. Um, it criticized whether it was good TV at all. That's sort of the question that I've been raising. Like, is it actually gratifying television to watch this dark drama play out in such a sort of nonsensical way? Like to, yes, like there's this investigation and these allegations 
And yes, you want to watch a character on a reality TV show that you've seen for the last seven years react to it on TV. No, you don't want to see her reacting to it in such an unhinged, inhuman, nonsensical manner where just everything was blowing a gasket and there was no warmth or your grace. It just seemed so like, yes, maybe it played into the character that she has sort of cultivated over the years. But when you have in the back of your mind all of these allegations and the stories of these victims, it can't it just doesn't compute to watch someone behave in that way on television. So these are all things that I raised in this piece. And to have Andy share it and sort of like accept the criticism I thought was really impressive, um, but also put it in a space that like maybe Erica was going to see it and maybe it was going to be seen as an endorsement of what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I, I know a lot of people don't agree. I was really impressed with his questioning during the reunion. I felt like he did enough following up and did enough of like, no, that answer you gave me was bullshit and I'm going to ask it again so you can give me a real answer in a way that I wasn't really expecting. So I thought, yes, he was, he really held her feet to the fire, but he also in the sort of promotion, the reunion had been very positive about how open she was and had been very like sort of impressed by her and glad that she showed up and just been a very like sort of supporter of her. So to then on, I mean, it's Twitter, it was whatever, but the, on this platform sort of endorse in some way a story that called it to question everything that he had been sort of um, praising her for, I thought was really interesting. And maybe she'll see it, maybe the other housewives saw it and like, that's, well, that's fascinating. To, yeah. Well, <laughs> also, he made the joke that like this might have been longer than the LA Times article. It's not. It's not. The, it's not. the LA Times article is four thousand words, 4, and mine is twenty three hundred words. So. Hello. I I I am not surprised that he shared it. Um, it's a great piece. Um, so I think he should have shared it. I shared it. Thank um, you. <laughs> but also, I don't know. I shared I it on that, Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. Well, that's that's great too. I it think almost, that like. That almost matters. I think that like he is someone who is open to criticism in a way because you know he works in product. He's not just like talent. You know he's someone who works in production. He's someone who is deeply invested in all of this. And I think he reads everything. I think he does care. I think he's interested in hearing the other side of things. So while he might feel like you know Erica was an asset to the show and like she was brave of her to do whatever, whatever he he says, like I think that. Um, he also is like open to hearing the the kind of argument that you laid out. And I think that it makes sense that he would share that. I know that um, years ago when Teresa and Joe got their um, sentencing, uh, Kate Arthur wrote um, for BuzzFeed at the time, an article about sort of like the history of their legal issues. And, um, you know, it was all about housewives and legal stuff. Like before that was cool, but she like, you know, wrote about, all of that and conspicuous consumption and like whatever it was a good piece but andy tweeted that then and got a ton mm. of shit from tree huggers who were like you know wow. how dare you share something critical of teresa uh you know like this so i i don't know i think that erica doesn't have that rabbit of a fan base at this point or like they're, they're I mean, all, all the comments and all, all the responses were like anti-erica yeah um, i mean when i wrote my erica piece i thought the comments were uh insane and also fascinating there were a lot of people who uh thought that i was team erica whatever that means because i didn't go hard enough on her and like felt hmm. like huh. because i i use this phrase where i said a small fortune which is a not like a literal thing a small fortune is like 
um, is a turn of phrase, but they were like, you know, it's a lot of like $20 million is a lot of money to like, I was like, yeah, I, I will never see that much money in my life. Anyway, side note, um, there also was all this conspiracy theorizing that uh, Vulture had hired me to make Brian look better because Brian is so pro Erica that they felt like Brian Moylan like, in front of the pod. Yes. So like there was a whole thing and then it was funny because my, I wrote a thing for Brian's newsletter like the same week. So it was like, the idea was that Brian and I had some sort of like conspiracy to like, <laughs> it was, oh, I it's, love this. this it's, is so it's, inside so, baseball. It's, it's so silly, but I think um, Kevin, that also speaks to your point about like what she did, Andy's performance at the reunion, which I agree. I thought he did a really good job and I thought he asked good questions. I loved his calling her a piece of work, which was like a genuine moment of like, he's watching this woman like incapable of being normal. And is like, I do not like, why are you like this? Um, but I think that like fans want something that, you know, they can, they will never get, which is Andy to say, Erica, like you're a horrible person and you obviously were complicit in this. And like, you know, get off the stage. Like I'm firing you right now. They want that kind of like, you know, nothing will ever be good enough unless it's that. And I think like when you write a piece about Erica, the response that I got was like, you're not calling her a liar. You're talking like, you're not saying like that she personally, you know, stole millions of dollars. Like, why are you team Erica? It's like, it sort of reminds me of people, how people respond to like true crime stuff. You know, when, when crimes happen, they're like, why isn't this person in jail? You know, why, why, like, why are we not, you know, there's like a, like a, a rapid bloodthirsty sort of response. And I think that people were mad at Andy because he didn't go hard enough, meaning he did not, you know, nail her to a cross on that stage, literally. Um, and they were they were waiting for something of that of that mag- magnitude, and they'll, they'll never get that. So I think that's why people were like, you know, not into his questioning, or also the people who said that he gave her all the questions ahead of time, which I was like, they would have no. better. They, I was like, they would have had better answers. Like if yeah. she if like her lawyers would have seen those questions and then helped her come up with a you know actual answer to them. So. Um, I'm going on too many tangents, but you get the idea. I do think that like, that was why people were iffy on his reunion performance. Well, and I remember first hearing like the five minute cut of his conversation on Radio Andy where John Hill was asking him like here, the, you know, the reunion had filmed but had not yet aired. And he was like, here are the questions that a lot of people are asking. Did you get into this? Did you get into this? Did you get into this? And the way that Andy said it, I don't know. I think he was like, it's super juicy or something, something. And my heart sank because I felt like, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst case scenario for me, which is like sort of cammed moments that just help Erica. Uh, that support her, that help her tell this side of the story and not maybe even a little bit of a punitive measure. And I was honestly really impressed by Andy's work on that. And I also loved that moment where he was like, you're a piece of work. <laughs> she hears it as I'm iconic. I'm a singular force. She genuinely responded to that as thank you sort of for the compliment or regardless of whether or not it's a compliment, it shows that I'm like one in a million and I do think in the moment that was his way of saying, like, you're a mess. I'm like judging you a little bit for right. this. I I don't I can't fathom the way that you're responding to these people, including Sutton or anyone else, which to me have right. including Andy. Seen, I mean, she was so angry oh, and yelling at Andy. A hundred percent. And it is to me, having not yet seen the Potomac reunion, very comparable in, in his return to Candace at one point in that that little trailer that we saw where he's like, how is this working out for you? Mm-hmm. The way that you're responding on social, you're saying it's one of your many talents, but how is that talent 
working out for you and holding her accountable. I like shrieked when I saw that clip. I was like, holy shit. Like, I don't think I've been giving him enough credit or regardless of what I've said, I really think that he's delivering in a way that is surprising. And like the reason that I loved it is because what I just called really frustrating about this season where you're watching mm-hmm. a person react in a way that is not normal, that is not human, that like you re- you cannot compute how that's someone's response to this during the reunion, we finally got that through him. He, like every time that she would, you know, respond with some sort of defensive flippant remark, he would basically go back with like, you understand how what you're saying right now is not a normal human thing to say in the way that you're behaving right now is not a normal human response, right? She's like, and I, I found that really cathartic to watch. Like finally, this person who has been given sort of like a pass by her castmates all season long for behaving this way is being told by Andy, like you understand why people find what you're doing completely, you know, irreprehensible because you're not behaving in a human way. And then him to share that piece that I wrote, I think is just another continuation of that. Like him just sort of being like, "I, I just want everyone to know that I understand that while sure, I'm never going to actually nail her to the cross the way that you want, I am recognizing that you know, all of these things people have been saying about her and criticizing about her performance this season is valid. And I found that to be a really mean, impressive thing to do for him. He he might not nail her to the cross, but he's like, oh, look, here's a hammer. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's <laughs> no. not he's not totally right. ignoring it, which well, I think is something. Yeah. I think he gets a lot of shit and, like, a lot of it's warranted, but I think also, like, he can't win. And, like, yeah, people, he can't want, win. people want him to take a side on things the way that he can't. These are people that you know, he, at least on camera, has to be as neutral as possible while also, like, asking challenging questions. And it's really hard to do that. I think it's hard to, like, you know, you can see when his bias comes through. And if you're not, you know, if you are Team Carol and you see him going after Carol more than Bethany, you see that and you say, like, oh, fuck Andy, you know? But at the same time, like, if if he plays things, like, totally neutral, it's like, well, why isn't he... Why isn't he like, you know, asking what I want to hear him ask? Why isn't he going a little harder? Um, I do think Andy also has lost credibility for people because he overpraises and overhypes everything, which, you know, is part of his job. But like when you, when I hear him say, oh, the reunion, we get into all of this and like, it's great. And oh my God, you're going to love it. I'm like, shit, it's going to suck. Because every, every, because every season he's like, oh, it's the best season ever. It's like, the next episode is the best. Like, you have no idea. This is the best thing I've seen on Housewives in years. And you're like, okay, but like, is it? And I well, think- I mean, like you said, that's his job to be fair. Oh, of, co- of course. But, but it I just understand changes the bar. It, it, make, it, it makes it, it makes the it, bar. Right. And so it makes it hard to kind of like, like I, if he just tweeted like, you know, you, you don't want to miss next week. I would feel differently for when, than when he's like, this is the best thing I've seen in so many years. Or like, this is like Housewives at its finest. You're kind of like- okay, well, Andy has a habit of uh, overhyping shit. So like, maybe I should lower my expectations. I'm referring to the Salt Lake City uh, Jen stuff, which I'm hoping is amazing, but I- Next week, he says it's one of the best ever. I know, and I'm like, I want it to be, the season is really not doing it for me. So I, I need it to be because um, I think Salt Lake City right now is a mess. And um, I'm hoping that the fallout from this uh, Jen arrest actually is interesting. But God, like what a, the season is like really a problem for me. 
Can I just ask, because I'm so glad that you said that, in my like devious little mind, because P.S. guys, this is one of the most enjoyable experiences that I've had <laughs> recording for the year, and we're in, a, a allegedly we're in November, I've really genuinely enjoyed both of you enormously. Can we, can I um, make you sign an oral friendship contract that we record together during the Salt Lake City reunions pending your avail, obviously, and your interest? Because I would be curious about how your opinions may have changed or evolved or been affected by the Erica reunion mm -hmm. dynamic when we get into the Jen Shaw, who is, could not be more of a different person, personality with very different ideas, I think, than Erica Jane. I would be very curious about the delivery of this when it comes to like the crime be crime in, regardless of everything else. <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I would, together. I would I would love to come back and chat about that. And I do think they're very different, but I also think that Jen and Erica have the same inability to not center themselves as victims in any sort of mm. narrative. And so like, I do not see, you know, Jen saying, I didn't defraud these people, but like, I want, you know, whoever was defrauded to like, she's not going to do that. She's going to just talk about how, I mean, she was posting about how this was, what did she say? It was Asian American discrimination. She did like, remember she posted that hashtag um, about, I can't remember the hashtag now about supporting um, Stop Asian, Asian hate. Yes. She, she, she posted that when this all happened about herself. In regard to her arrest. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I think that, uh, I think that she will have a similar response to Erica in terms of centering herself as a victim and also lashing out at anyone who questions her. Um, but yes, happy to chat about that when it happens. Yeah, same. Amazing. So I'm holding, okay, great. So we'll schedule that for tomorrow. Cancel your, <laughs> Cancel your plans. It'll be seven hours. Um, can I ask you one closing question before we depart? And guys, just want to make sure that you're looking in the show notes for this episode. I have links to both articles, Kevin's in the Daily Beast and Lewis's in Vulture. And I highly, it's your homework. It's your study guide for this episode is to read both and definitely send me your thoughts. Um, but if there was a housewife situation, past, present, I guess, potentially technically future for you to get free reign to write about 2,300 words or 10 million doesn't necessarily need to be a situation now. But just when you think about the thought and the nuance that both of you applied to your pieces about the Erica Jane, is there a dynamic, your dream dynamic to explore? It doesn't have to be something that just happened now. It could be Bethany V. Carroll. It could be um, Mikhail Salahi's fight against herself like it could be whatever you wanted it to be is there something that you would just love to apply that kind of interesting lens to that almost like the gray of it all is there anything that comes to mind a person or a situation whatever you want um it was really intriguing to me but I didn't write a lot about it because I think it would have required more behind the scenes reporting that I didn't have time but also like I'm not really sourced to do um but the Dorinda and Tinsley stuff wow um so interesting. in terms of like that finale where Dorinda lost her wow. shit and like they broke the fourth wall and you see her screaming about Tinsley ruining the mm. season and ruining the season all that kind of stuff I would love to have known more about that because I remember mm -hmm. watching the full season and being a little um confused by Dorinda's like like rage rage against Tinsley that was never really explained mm. or justified and clearly we found out during the finale that there was something behind the scenes production-wise contract-wise that apparently really just set Dorinda off and 
just to like explore what that was, the sort of breaking the fourth wall element of it, the whatever the contract thing was, but also like mm. really get to the bottom of Dorinda's boozy rage all season. I thought, mm -hmm. I think and how that played into all of it. Like that's something that I, that I have a lot of lingering questions about that I found fascinating as was playing out. Obviously that big moment in the finale I found to be extremely fascinating. Um, I wasn't equipped at the time to sort of dig into it, but I, that's something that sort of still plays in the back of my mind. interesting choice. Especially after this new season that was abysmal, I think because of the lack of both Dorinda and Tinsley. I love that. I, I really wouldn't have thought about that. That really just broke my brain a little bit just now. That was that's a really interesting choice. Um, Lewis, what's your pick? Well, I kind of have so similar to Kevin, I keep thinking like there are stories that I've always wanted to write that just require a level of reporting that is really challenging with Housewives because Bravo does mm. not let you talk to ex Housewives mm -mm. about stuff and they're not going to give you the sort of behind the scenes stuff you want. And that's how we get, you know, the two Housewives book situation where like there's going to be a Bravo vetted <laughs> version and not. And, and so like, there are things that I would love to get a behind the scenes, like deep dive on um, Katie, the Katie Ross situation on uh, Potomac when she left mm -hmm. the vacation oh, and all of that wow. and everything that was going on with her really, really sad stuff, really dark. And I, really I, I would want to do that a sensitive job of that. Um, Gosh, what else? Um, the Dina Danielle situation from early Jersey Ooh. with where, you know, they had the reunion fight where Caroline was like, you know, I will never trust you, whatever it was. Um, we sort of know what happened, but like I, that and also whatever's going on with Dina and Caroline, like mm. all stuff that I'd want to do, but would like be impossible to report out. Oh, and then also the um, I want to know exactly what went into Jenny and her shitty husband deciding that they wanted to come onto the show with a sister wife storyline because I have not seen a more misguided debut on Housewives maybe ever. Um, but all that aside, if I were just going to write an essay about someone's performance in the show, I would just want to do you know a long form piece about Luann and her and Cabaret mm. and sort of like this like impressive narcissism that has led her to take a not good singing voice and turn it into an entire personality, I think is like really fascinating and would be fun to explore. So um, when you, when you see that piece pop up, um, pretend that you didn't hear it first here. And if you see an episode that feels along that spirit on an upcoming Andy's girls, we can remember this moment and maybe Lewis and I will circle back on that. And that's all I can really say about that when I'm screaming on the inside. P.S. Just a complete, we have to wrap up before we do. Can we just take a moment to reflect on the fact that Thick as Thieves was such an iconic moment that really extolled the many virtues of what, how Caroline thinks of family and then think about the fact that she is using that with her brother-in-law and not sister who is a victim of a violent act. It's and like so she's, bad. She's proving her point, but like we're focusing a little too much on the thieves and not the thieves. <laughs> like that's, that's an interesting that's it's, an interesting it's twist. So, it's so dark. Okay, I, I don't want to, because I brought it up though, I have to ask, like we all agree the sister wife thing on Salt Lake City is not real, right? Like there's no way that that's like a real storyline. Uh, I have to, someone said this on a recent Andy's Girls, but sometimes they kind of meld all together in my lady brain. But someone did say that, that, that they agree with you and I agree with you, but they think that the reason that that happened is because maybe she was thought of as a friend of initially, or maybe she was thought of as a full-time housewife, but regardless, they needed content from her. And so the idea was to film something with her husband that was separate and solo that could give her more material 
But yeah, I think that there is something that does not feel real, but maybe that's just my hope for her is that this is a dynamic that they strategized because otherwise it's just beyond dark. Yeah. I am normally ex extremely skeptical about um, the authenticity of housewife storylines, especially when it's something as outrageous as this. Family. That mm -hmm. said, like there's something about this one in particular that I kind of want to just like suspend my disbelief and mm -hmm. think that like Jenny just brought her husband onto the show to divorce him. She's like, oh, I wanna, yeah, yeah. like, I want to divorce this guy. Jules so I'm going to bring him on this show and I'm going to make him look like a fool. And then I'm going to rise in the ashes like a real hostile phoenix. And I, 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 I have to, I mean, obviously, I know in the back of my mind that this is not real, but I just want to, for my own personal enjoyment, just like think of her as some sort of just like calculating um, sort of like femme fatale who's doing this to her husband. Oh, I think that there's like a like a grain of truth to all of it, and I think I don't think I think they're they're sort of like doing this on purpose, but I also think that it's like based on something uh, genuine in their relationship that's very broken. And I do think that you're right that she very well could be using this as a way, you know, as an off ramp to a shitty marriage um, because no one would take his side. Um, but yeah, I just think it's like a miscalculation whether it's real or not. I'm like, mm -hmm. please don't ever show me this again. <laughs> And him wanting another kid, I think, honestly, is very real. The way that they're going about it, I, I'm not quite sure. But And I also, not to end this on a really dark note, don't see an off-ramp to their marriage at all. I, I just see it as, like, really unfortunate content. But I don't know that she's thinking or not thinking that this is going to be a way out. I think she's she's in it. But I could be – I mean, listen, I could be wrong. She Or she could go on the reunion a la Portia and be like, we're better than ever. This brought us closer. Listen, this episode brought us closer. I cannot <laughs> tell you. I don't think I've been more quiet in an episode. The irony of my tagline being like a monologue. And I think this was just a wonderful trio. My God, a delight. Um, can you tell the listeners uh, if there's an article that you're working on that's coming up or something to look forward to and or definitely and how to follow, you know, your conversation online? Yeah, I'm like at this time of year, every year I sort of pivot to covering award season. So I have a lot of like fun mm. interviews and reviews about the sort of Oscar contenders coming out in the next few months that I'm working on. And you can read me at the Daily Beast and follow me on socials at, at KP Fallon. Love that. Lewis? Um, you can follow me on Twitter and elsewhere if you want to, but I don't know why you would. Uh, at Lewis Peitzman. I just don't have that much going on on like Instagram, but like you're welcome to follow me there. Um, and uh, I have a full-time job, but I am also doing some freelance writing and we'll have at least one more Housewives piece coming out uh, in the coming weeks and, you know, can't help myself and always want to write more. So, um, you know, editors hit me up and uh, otherwise I tweet my thoughts when I, I watch Housewives with my boyfriend on like Friday and Saturday. So that's when my Housewives tweets come out. So, you know, Stay tuned for that should you want to see my reaction to the latest episodes. Okay, Braggy. I don't know about this I mean, situation. No, it's just like people are sometimes like my friends will text me and be like, oh my God, are you watching Housewives? And I'm like, no, I have to wait and I watch it on the weekend. So then I, I, all my, when people are like wow, having exciting Friday love. nights, I'm like tweeting. I'll, I might watch Salt Lake City before then, but like, 
generally i wait till friday night saturday night holy shit all right well guys speaking (laughs) of kevin fallon and talking about awards kevin has done some patreon exclusive episodes with yours truly that would be me and you guys can find those eps including we did like some sort of what did we do the emmys the oscars the globes we've done like award content it's good that i'm asking you what it is that we spoke about on my patreon account but um if you want to listen to some of those conversations and even more including satchel spectacular one of which is forthcoming, all about your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns uh, relating to all things housewifery, 99% of the time about Erica. You can find those at patreon.com slash Andy's girls. And I'm so excited for an upcoming Zoom Kiki, which will be an hour long Zoom with the Patreon AGs at the OG of the AG level and the People's People's Couch level where we get the chance as a community to be with each other. Our own version of SAS giving, which I am all about um, and info for that and a chance to RSVP is in the show notes for this episode. And follow me on social on Instagram at DMGalley because I can't handle Twitter. Thank you so much for my own mental health. Um, Listen, Lewis and Kevin, this was wonderful. I've what a really treat. Enjoyed it. What a treat. What a pledge. Uh, it's the day of the New York City uh, Marathon, which maybe you guys have heard from the screaming that I've been listening to for the last uh, several hours. So I'm going to go outside and cheer for some people. But I'm cheering to you both. Thank you so much for this panel, People's People's Couch. Um, and I know that the EGs are going to love it as much as I have. And guys, hope you're all staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.